Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. And welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for October 27th, 2019. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, to be coming closer to Halloween, that's what I'm thinking about. And uh, I'm trying to put it into context of uh, religious holidays for any particular uh, religion or denomination, you know, they have significant religious observances. And I like to capitalize on that because I think uh, just like Mother's Day, you know, we love our mothers every day, but it's nice to have a special day. It deepens it. And so the more holidays we have religiously, the better for our spiritual path, you know, deepening our spirituality. So I was thinking to to piggyback, take advantage of national holidays or other holidays we have and turn them into American Dharma holidays just by being creative and applying whatever teachings, uh, whatever modifications you want to make that significant. And I think this especially works works especially well for families where you have kids because there's a natural excitement around holidays, you know, culturally, and you can piggyback on these, okay? And for Halloween, well, how do you make it a Dharma holiday? It's all up to your creativity. One natural one for me would be the idea of masks, Halloween masks, you know? Um, well, costumes, but when we talk about masks, you know, it's hiding who we really are, right? Now, isn't that relevant? We all wear, quote, masks, unquote, social roles, titles, labels, okay? Things that not necessarily we hide behind, but by necessity, we have different uh, personas. You have to put on your father mask or your parent mask or your 
uh, you know, daughter or son mask or uh, a grandparent mask or the boss or the worker mask that we have to put on, depending upon what the what the situation we find ourselves in. Okay, there's a lot of societal social role masks that we wear, and that we might. Nothing wrong with that. Probably necessary too. But I think the danger is when we don't realize that they're masks and we don't realize who we really are. <laughs> That's the basic question in self-introspection method of modus operandi for Buddhist practice. Always clarifying who we are. Huh? And so Halloween is a time when we especially uh, use that theme of masks, becoming more aware of them, how they operate. And uh, maybe we always have to have a mask. Well, we should wear our spirituality, daily spirituality mask once in a while. Okay, Put the focus on it, highlight it, something like that anyway. Well, just for uh, associations, you know, Halloween is a time when kids get free candy, and that's a big deal for kids to get free candy. I remember one time when our boys were little, uh, you know, we try to restrict we try to restrict their candy intake, but one day a year we let, we let them go wild, you know, on Halloween, and. Uh, they, they so they know what Halloween's about, and maybe he was a preschooler. One of our sons was a preschooler, so he's pretty young. And on Halloween morning, we we were Adrian and I were still in bed, but we hear a big a yell from our son's bedroom. Today's Halloween! He was he shouted and I made a smile, you know. And the, the kids like to get go trick or treating and. Come home and spread out their candy, you know, on their bed. Oh, okay. I I have so many trick or treating memories from when I was a child. When I was a kind of like a, a preschooler or kindergarten, maybe uh, my brother, older brother, five years older than me, was telling me about Halloween and trick or treating and. And of course, being an older brother, he's always teasing me, make you know, playing jokes on me. So I, I didn't trust him when he told me, hey, let's go get some free candy. I said, what? He goes, yeah, all you have to do is to go into the store. Okay, There was a neighborhood store that we often went to, Franklin's. He says, let's go, go into Franklin's and just say trick or treat and they'll give you some free candy. And I said, yeah, sure. Something like that. Okay, I was a pretty jaded city boy, I guess. Uh, but once we did learn about this trick-or-treating, boy, did we get turned on by it. Uh, and uh, sometimes we, you know, when we got 10, 11, we were still going trick-or-treating, and and <laughs> we were so greedy. We'd be doing it at, you know, 9 o'clock when it's got dark already, and some people said, hey, it's kind of late, isn't it? You know, I said, oh, oh. But we like to... We particularly like to go to a big apartment building. Man, that was efficient. Go in one door next door, 
And we really liked it when there was a young bachelor, perhaps, that opened the door, and he he forgot it was Halloween, you know, and he, and he didn't get any, didn't have any candy. So he would reach in and give us some money, maybe a nickel or, you know, a dime in those days. And boy, our eyes got big, and we would try to go back to that guy <laughs> later on because we knew money was a really big thing for us. Um, one one very highly unlikely, very, you know, odd, the odds of happening were really, really unique. One, one Halloween, I, I put on a ga- gangster mask, and I had this little lighter gun, a little tiny gun, but if you pull it, it um, – it was a it was for lighting cigarettes. Okay, you'd pull it and a little flame would come up, and I would and I would and I would just hold this gun and, and go trick or treating. And one time, I rang a bell and the guy came to the door. He had he had an unlit cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I said trick or treat and I <laughs> lit a cigarette for him. I thought got a big kick out of that. Well, well. <clears throat> Halloween will will be upon us, and uh, we enjoy our American Dharma holidays. To introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Michael Shinyo. He was part of our LM3 group, and he lives in Texas. So he titled his talk, My Best Life. Sounds intriguing. Good morning. My Dharma Glimpse for today is called Your Best Life. Recently, Yolanda and I went to our 30-year high school reunion. We were both fascinated to hear Fred's stories. He had a job he loved. He was living in the mountains, working at a lake. We saw a lot of beautiful pictures from his home. His girlfriend loved it there, too. They were very happy together. Fred was living his best life. Only two weeks later, he was in a vehicle accident and passed away. It was such a shock. He had invited us to come visit any time, and we considered, we were considering when we would uh, find the best time to, to go visit him. He was only 49 years old. The Toto Institute publishes a newsletter called 30,000 Days. 30,000 Days is the average number of days we all have to live. If you're 41 years old or older, you're already more than halfway there. This makes me think about an essay Reverend Guillaume Cabose wrote titled, Life Without Regret. I've been contemplating things like, am I living with no regrets? Am I living my best life? What does that look like? Your best life is your own. It can't be had by imitating others or trying to please parents or family. This is often self-serving and may not be in your best interest. My daughter lives in northwest Kansas. She lives in the country with her husband, three girls, and as of this recording, 83 chickens. Um, She's incubating some, (laughs) so there may be more soon. This isn't somewhere that I'd want to live and I'm not that excited about chickens. However, she is happy and is living her best life. 
So I'm happy for her. I won't find my best life by imitating her or Fred, but I can learn something about happiness from both of them. Yome Kabose explains that a life without regrets can be attained by listening to the inner heart. Going back to 30,000 days, I am 48 years old or 17,595 days old. That means I have 12,405 days left. Many people make New Year's resolutions each year, but I've already started looking at goals and things I want to accomplish soon, even though this is only October. I also have to consider my limitations. For example, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a few years now. Before I started, I had my left big toe fused. This caused me to have to modify some things. Then, after a few years of training, my other big toe gave out. I got turf toe that led to spurs, and I had to get it, get the joint replaced. It is still sore today. Martial arts is something I've enjoyed since middle school. I want to continue it, but I must consider longevity. With that in mind, I decided to return to Aikido, at least for now. If I'm able to do more later, I'll most likely add in some judo and maybe pop in a, into a jiu-jitsu class occasionally. Now, this is just one of the items on my list, but with all that has happened recently, I'm, I'm setting short-term and long-term goals that are realistic and that help me live my, my best life. After all, I only have 12,405 days left. Or maybe just today. Thank you. Yep. Self-reflection. Uh, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? And, like it's sometimes said, uh, keeping human, personal human mortality on your left shoulder, okay? not in a... Uh, overly pessimistic way, but a way to uh, challenge oneself, motivate oneself to say, hey, what are my, what are, yeah, what are life goals? What are, you know, what is my source of contentment? Am I, am I living a life of no regret? What does that mean? Uh, surely these kinds of things, anything that reminds us about uh, what we're doing in life, how we're living, okay? self-awareness is beneficial to us. Okay? I think it was Sigmund Freud who said, an unexamined life is not worth living. <laughs> well, I kind of strongly said that way, but, uh, you know, uh, introspection, self-reflection on how one is living. Um, and it's kind of interesting, I think, what uh, was said in the Dharma glimpse is that uh, sometimes what what you think you really want, okay, it might not might not be in your best interest. Now that's a <laughs> that's a challenge. Huh? Uh, 
it might not be so easy to identify what is the source of contentment in one's life. Huh? Something, well, <laughs> my father's words of black is white and white is black uh, applies. Something you think is good now in this context turns out to be not so, not having very good consequences at another time in another place in your one's own life. And vice versa, something black could become white. Something that you feel is oh, a tragedy, terrible thing that happened to you. But later on, it was a source of maybe well, character building or appreciation of things, and it might become a source of inspiration and very significant changing one's, you know, self-image, life, and life, okay? Um, sometimes we joke and we try to handle when something negative happens. We say, well, it's a character builder. We, we call it a euphemism like that, but there's some truth to it. Huh? So it's not that easy when we say, I just, I, I missed mistook the title of it, of the talk uh, was not my best life. It's your best life <laughs> or each one of us saying to ourselves, Hey, what's my best life? Okay. So my best life is not talking about the focus is not on somebody else's best life. Okay. It's one's own best life. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going and you have a, Beautiful day. Thank you.